Hello. And welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope. And I'm Lauren Stone. And today in the Respectfully House, we've got uh, Lacey Hunter-Felton, the co-owner of Hunter Collective, and Carolyn Newman, international colour educator and expert. And now when you say the Respectfully House, we are actually virtually speaking today. We are. Our first one. I know. Normally, we take great pleasure in inviting guests to our kitchen, and we literally sit and have a cup of tea and eat cakes. But today... Yes, some <laughs> circumstances dictate that we're trying to do it on screen. So it will be um, a photograph of cakes sent yeah. to the guests. <laughs> Virtual cakes. <laughs> yeah, at the end. Actually, I think Carolina Newman is also a very good baker, so it's probably just as well that she's not going to be comparing my cooking skills <laughs> with hers. have to get our cookies. <laughs> we will. But we've invited the ladies to talk about different ways of working in yeah. fact we sent this invitation before we knew we were going to be having to do this virtually so it's kind of interesting I know, it's very apt it is yes yeah. so since inviting them to talk about how we work independently or as part of teams now we're all being forced to talk virtually online and on air and so on so it'll be really interesting to see how it goes yeah absolutely hello hello Welcome to Lacey and <laughs> Carolyn. Yeah, thanks ladies. Thanks for joining us on our first Zoom conference. Oh, thank <laughs> podcast. you so much for having us. This no. is quite fabulous, right? <laughs> I know, great. Thank you. Hello everyone. Hi okay. Carolyn. Um, so we basically, we were, we've had a plan really before we'd even, this whole shutdown and coronavirus um, came thing. Um, we were wanting to talk to you anyway about kind of 2020 working. How how do we work in a different way in this age? Um, so now it's even more re- relevant. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of our topic for today. Um, so lockdown. kind of tell us a bit about how you were fl- how you were flexibly working before all this kind of came about anyway. Um. Well, I I was um, I was working. I tried now to work three to four days a week. Right. I made a big decision in twenty sixteen that I was not going to run like crazy anymore. Um, and things in my personal life changed. My husband's work he got busier, so I could actually take a little bit of step back, which was amazing for me. Um, so I now work three to four days a week, but that's a mixture of education work where I go into salons and train and work with the team to build their salon businesses and their client colour communication. And then the other side is that I then do hair and I do one to one and a half days a week at Hunter Collective in London. And then I also do one day a week at Trinder Hair Studios in St Albans, so seeing clients. So that's what I think is the joy of being flexible is I can work in two different salons and I also can work salon spaces and I can also go into salons and support salons for their colour business. And Lacey, you launched Hunter Collective about three or four years ago, is it? Yeah, so we launched uh, three years ago. Um, prior to that, I was a hairdresser a full-time in a West End salon, but then we launched Hunter Collective. My entire work-life balance completely changed. Um, I've never worked so much in my life, yeah. but <laughs> now... In a, in a good way. Now, in, a, in the best way. Yeah. Um, but now I've got uh, two children under three um, and my business. And for me, the whole point of the business um, and becoming... Uh, business owner is to have that flexibility of managing my time between family and work 
So yeah. explain to people listening what in essence is Hunter Collective because it's a workspace that itself is also quite enabling and empowering for people who use it. It really is. So I built Hunter Collective because I wanted to have the freedom and choice to run my work life as I saw fit. So most of our members, as Carolyn was saying, is that they don't work more than three or four days a week. Um, and they're incredibly pr- productive in that time and they do that because they have something which I like to understand is more of a portfolio career so they have other elements of their work life to balance around just one core thing and then obviously family and being creative and and having their downtime so Hunter Collective is a space that enables them in a very professional high-end experience to bring their business to our space run their business how they choose to and create the lifestyle that they want around that business. So, Carolyn, the sort of the big question then, let me just put it out there. Is this what we would call freelancing? Is this or or do you understand freelancing to be something different from what you are doing and what Lacey's describing? I think no, I I think that is the correct way for freelancing. I think freelancing has changed completely. I think um, in the hairdressing industry of old, um, freelancing meant a home hairdresser. Um, somebody who went to people's homes or worked from their home or maybe their garden, a room in their garden, where I think it's changed a lot. We've always had a rent-a-chair in, in a salon, um, but that never was seen as freelancing, but it is freelancing. If you look at the film industry, there's always been freelance makeup artists, hairdressers, you know, doing hair and makeup, freelance runners, etc. But now, you know, people that work in graphic design are freelance. So I think it's making, instead of freelancing being seen as a, you know, a home hairdresser, that actually you've got quality hairdressers doing freelancing. I think what's also important to remember is that freelancing has always been a part of this industry. So more Mm. than 50% of the industry have have always been actively freelance. But I think that Hunter Collective was definitely one of the first to give that uh, space, that dedicated, focused respect um, to a freelancer and to enable them and to empower them to uh, celebrate the fact that they have chosen that path. and so that's why with HC, um, sometimes it's hard for people to understand what a co-working space is and you kind of get hit with, well, you know, you're, you're just running a rent-a-chair salon. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm running a co-working space where independent businesses, which are our individual freelancers, come to work um, and come to build their brands within our, you know, within our hair home, as we've started to call it. So, so it's a really... Um, it's a really interesting time for the industry because people are really starting to wake up to uh, alternative career paths that they can enable themselves. Do you think, though, that, um, I mean, obviously, Carolyn's a very established hairdresser and colorist, so do you have to be at a certain level in your career to be able to make this type of working work for you? For me, with Hunter Collective, we've only ever uh, positioned ourselves to work with experts. And when I say an expert, it's someone with 10 plus years within the industry okay um i you know you we celebrate the expert i wonder then if uh you know this time off off well it's not off but you know this time where we're all at home with lots of time to think do you think there'll be a lot of people a lot of hairdressers kind of assessing their situations and their work-life balances and maybe come out the other side thinking actually maybe this is a different way of working for me too I think, I mean, something that I've learned is that um, I 
I really struggled not having the structure at first. Yeah. Um, when I started to build Hunt Collective, because I didn't actually have anybody holding me accountable, and you kind of didn't know what time you were supposed to start or finish, or you know what a busy day was, or yeah. things like that. Um. So I think that actually this period of time will will create a lot of learning for people and actually really make them feel confident in the fact that they're really, really great at doing what they do and they can manage and there are alternatives. And yeah. actually, potentially, this could be a new lifestyle for them. Um, but I think there's so much flux happening at you know in well, the world so, at the yeah. moment that I wouldn't put any pressure to put make any grand grand choices right now but carolyn speaking for somebody who works in this way i mean what's happened in the last few weeks has it not been really hard for people who are freelancers or self-employed i mean how is how is it i I think i think that's a twofold i mean just going back to the sort of like what experience you should have to do this i think you do have to be ready to set up your own your own business but i i do still believe very much in a salon ground experience that you've got to be you've got to have that good training and working in a team you've got to be able to you know give deliver great customer care etc um i think at the moment um there may be some people who think that freelancing could be for them but i don't think that will happen immediately i think at the moment hairdressers are finding and what i'm finding with hairdressers is they're used to being very busy they're used to having contact with their team and their clients on a daily basis. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this has been taken away from them. So hairdressers are actually finding this hard. Yeah, of course. Um, and they're panicking about, you know, their job security and their clients. Um, and so I think the primary issue was everyone will get back into the salon and they will focus on their clients. But I think they'll be thinking a little bit more about flexibility mm-hmm. because mm. these hairdressers haven't stopped like this before. No. Um, and, and it's quite, I'm finding it, not, not to make a joke of it, but I'm finding it quite entertaining seeing how business owners are finding it quite hard because they've never stopped like this before. And it's actually a time where as a freelancer, I finally stopped in my career and had a breath and had a break and decided what my directions were and my goals. And I think every hairdresser will think that. And I think um, at the moment with freelancing, if you are a, um, if you've been freelancing for more than say 12 months to three or four years or more, then you are getting help from the government. I think it's the freelancers that have just um, started freelancing that may not get that financial help. So, but most freelancers should be very good with their money. That's one of the things when you go freelance, and I think Lacey will agree with me on this, is that you start having a pot of savings and money for a rainy day. I think what Carolyn said was really important. It's something that I've um, really reflected on as well is, is that, um, that busyness. So, you know, I, I only know how to be very busy and be very productive and also it's the social interaction so when you're with your clients or with your team like you get so much nourishment from that and that's a real thing and those people want to be around you and you feed off of each other and that's something that actually I've within my hairdressing career I've actually missed that quite a lot um but but it's I think the fear comes from and I think you've felt it if you've been on maternity leave or if you've felt it if you've had a sabbatical is that 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 client loss 
are they going to come back? When are they going to come back? Or, you know, how is it going to affect their lives? It's and, the fear of the unknown, isn't it? Mm. It is. It is. It's a really hard, I think it's a really hard time. And the one thing that's come out of this is just, um, for me, what a celebrated uh, group of people, the industry, like the, we are. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody just wants to Everybody's educate. talking about hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean we but are But the consumer obsessed. press is obsessed with hair at the moment as well. I mean, every time I put the yeah. TV on or open a newspaper at the moment, it's, it's focusing on hair and hair and beauty. And I do mm. sort of think, gosh, I wish they'd pay us that much attention Usually, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're talking about the beauty bounce, and so you know, it's all I've heard this week is about the beauty bounce and that hair and beauty is recession proof, and that they survive this, they'll come back to this, and the whatever. And I'm like, do you know what, Britain? We are recession proof, and there will be a beauty bounce, but we all need you to be a part of it, and and we need you whenever I do like group chats or see my friends online the first thing I say is have you got your next beauty appointment booked yeah. are you on a waiting list we need you to book yeah, those appointments it's and it's it's a real thing yeah. but I think um what I would like like you Nikki is to have a little bit more um independent recognition of the fact that we are such an incredible and established industry that are, will support the economy of this country when it bounces back. Yeah. And I think for me, that's what got a bit um, irritable about the, um, the lockdown syndrome is because actually as a hairdresser, I was getting a bit worried because I think for the last two weeks before lockdown, I must have been in contact with so many hundreds of people. Yeah. And you started to think that the government weren't talking, they were talking to retails, but they weren't talking specifically to the hair and beauty industry. No. And they actually needed to because we we have more contact, you know, we have as much contact as a doctor does, as a dentist does. Um, Even more you know, so, I mean, you're touching the people. Yeah, we're touching people, um, and especially, you know, beauty therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. think... I think hopefully we will get a bit more recognition. And I I have loved seeing the newsreaders having to do their own hair and their makeup. (laughs) I was thinking the Queen last night. We were talking about this earlier, weren't we, Nikki? Her hair is amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, we managed it. Yeah, I think she might have had help. I think a little bit. <laughs> but but on, on a sort of very serious note, I think one of the reasons the hair and beauty industry was overlooked at the beginning, and a couple of friends of mine who work um, in the cabinet office, you know, when I said hairdressers need direction, they're a bit like, oh, well, gosh, we didn't think about them. You know, that's because we're not registered. We're, we're not. Yeah. Um, we're not controlled, yeah. and that is one of the downsides of not having any kind of state registration and I would like to see the industry taking that more seriously when we come back Mm. because I do think that we would have been on the radar a lot sooner and in a lot with a lot more clarity so you know it's a tough lesson guys but you can't have it both ways if you don't want to be have any kind of control or any kind of registration or, or state limitations then you can't expect to be high on the agenda and yeah. I think it's I think it's quite you know it's it's something that you can reflect on and feel proud of yourself that you state you know you are um, self regulated, so you know mm. how I've been hearing this conversation go on about you know we took these steps because we felt it was our responsibility. Yes, that's fantastic, but you can't talk about the whole nation in that way, mm. and they need guidance and they need support. And I think that yeah, you know if we do want to be more taken seriously, then we do actually have to go mm. sit at that table and. Yeah, I think so. I think I've, that would I've, be I've, been, I've always been state 
registered. I've been saying um, yeah. I renew it every year, um, and I I really believe in in it because um, where I came from in Australia, you had to be registered. Um, you had clear guidelines. Not anyone mm-hmm. could open a, a salon. So I I agree with you, Nikki. I think I think there is a twofold to this, isn't yeah. there? I think so. I think that should be one of the new ways of working. I mean, I think there's the obvious and and so on, but I think that one of the new ways of working should be to be a lot more proud to be a hairdresser, but carry that through and then and want to have that registration. And most of the arguments um, against state registration for me are negative arguments. They're about the fear. Oh, well, what will happen in this case? And how will I prove that? And I can't find my certificates. And oh, what about me? I qualified years ago. Who's going? They're all they're all. And negative arguments, they're not positive arguments against it happening. So no. I just think we, we should all take that on mm. board. Yeah, absolutely. And what about, so we've all noticed an explosion in social media and, and you know, anyone with a phone is now online and doing Instagram lives and Twitter and, <laughs> you know, gracing us with their presence. So, as you know, in the context of the last few years, that's kind of a new way of working. How important do you think the survivors will be the people that had already built up a following? Or do you think that actually does that not count for much at the moment? um, Personally, I think that... Sorry, Lacey, just jumped in there. I I Um, love how you're like, get in there. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been like that. You should know that about me (laughs) by now. It's... um, the one thing I was going to say is that I personally believe there's there's two audiences. Um, there'll be an audience that to the hair industry, and I don't think you have to worry so much about followers for, for that. It's not about followers, it's about what you say. The most important people you should be contacting or communicating to are your clients. So in my client, my situation, my clients are actually the hairdressers because I teach them. Um, but for hair salons, it's about clients. So some clients don't do social media so my question always is make sure you're communicating them in a way via an email newsletter Um, I know people that are calling their clients some of them just to see if they're okay Um, but it's about communicating there's some salons out there that I think are doing it really well at the moment and they're purely even on social media even if we watch them they're purely doing it for their for their clients and for me it's got to be about keeping that momentum of of your business so i knew that if i wanted to keep up um the integrity of what hunter collective was trying to do during the process building up to what we knew was going to be a lockdown at some point that the communication for me was always video um regarding um our members and our community for me it's positioning hunter collective so that we are there to support our members if they need us and also making sure that hunter collective is um yeah it's just there enabling willing to help get involved in however we we can but the fundamental thing that i've tried to leave with our community is communication is king and you need to be contacting your clients you need to be keeping that flow of information and instagram is great right Mm -hmm. there's a handful of us that have made it work that we follow for whatever reason but followers does not mean money in the bank no and it doesn't mean bookings on haircuts it might mean a few likes and your ego might get you know boosted but that's about it what you actually need to make sure is like what carolyn said understand the demographic demographic of your client so if your client responds to a text you send that text if you you know put a post on instagram or tweet fantastic 
but not if half of your clients aren't on Instagram yeah. that. <laughs> and and I think I think it's amazing that Instagram and hairdressing and beauty have really exploded. That's fantastic. But I think what's really important is that clients are not the hair industry. They are your clients. Mm-hmm. And and you have to figure out how is the best way to communicate with them and make sure you are. Because yeah. if you yeah. want to bounce back well, Talk exactly. I mean, again, you know, without niggling too much, but some of the stuff I've seen um, out there in the last couple of weeks, I think, crikey, have you remembered your clients could be watching this? You know, I've seen, <laughs> yeah. I've seen hairdressers sounding off to each other and having an opinion on absolutely yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah. And me mm. thinking, hmm, if I was one of your clients, I might be a bit surprised to hear that and mm. so on. So I think you have to be very, you have to remember, don't you, with all this, that it's like an open channel. Yeah, exactly. And also remember that your clients have been influenced by other people. So your integrity is is the most important thing at yeah. the moment and making sure that you're true to yourself and and are you speaking your truth and you know actually do your clients need a tutorial about how to cut their fringe or do they actually need to hear um what you're up to and that your life, what your your personal um that they connect with, they resonate with. That's why they've been your client for 10 years. They wanna they wanna know you're okay and they wanna know that they're okay mm-hmm. and they can contact you if they want to, not that it's a really stressful time and no one's talking. Once the lockdown's over, how are hairdressers do you think gonna be able to deal with the influx of clients and what would be your advice? I think as I said before, is um that there's there's two folds here because I think salon owners are probably trying to set up you know salon owners should be doing their normal marketing strategy that they would do if their salon was open and I think that that's the first thing I think with the hairdressers some of them if they're um, on the furlough scheme they're not allowed to work so for me it would be do a little bit of sort of self-education um but try and keep the biggest thing for me I've done is is keep to a routine um because I'm not solidly working every every day I've got a friend who is working like crazy because she works in HR um but I've been trying to set a routine so I am coming to my desk and I am doing some work or I am setting home tasks or I'm going to learn you know new skill because I think I think hairdressers can sort of they they know that the clients are all going to be, be coming back but they the salon should be communicating or marketing like they would normally do um and I think when it all returns the focus definitely will be on the clients but it has to be on the team as well um and I think that it'll be about the security and you know personally I I'm an educator I think education is going to probably take a bit of a back seat We've yeah. had a massive influx of education. We've had a horrific amount of education in the last few weeks. And I think, you know, salon owners will want to protect their business. Um, they'll be wanting to, you know, client care and communication. Your clients have to be number one when they get back. And so for me, I'm constantly talking to the team, my team, about being ready. So as soon as that date comes in, the space has to be perfect. Do we have all of our kit in stock? Is our booking system optimized are we communicating with our members in the most incredible way do our members need support in their communications how can we do all those things and then from a member perspective as a freelancer perspective this is such an amazing time because you genuinely are given this opportunity to plan so you're like you know 
when do I want to work? Yeah. How am I going to optimize my time? It's your choice. So if you have family commitments, if you have a portfolio career where you have education or session or um, you've decided that you want to become a yoga teacher, you know, you have to allow for different elements of your life to coexist. So now is the perfect time to say on these days, I'm just back to back with hair and this is how I'm going to deliver my experience, my service. This is how I want to engage with my clients. This is how I want to grow my business. All these things, because you are going to be inundated and you actually, it can be quite intimidating. Hmm. You're going to have to manage a, a significant workflow. Um, how are you going to do that when you're actually balancing lots of other things? And Caroline, as an educator, do you think that um, we're going to learn anything about education? I mean, so many people travel at the drop of a hat and a lot of the big brands will, will take hairdressers from one side of the globe mm. to the other and so on. Mm. Do you think maybe, you know, wouldn't it be, well, personally, I think wouldn't it be great if we just learned from this that that's not always necessary, that actually, you know, we can deliver education digitally to a greater extent than we thought we could? I, I agree. I think we will. Um, I think the travel industry um, are going to struggle to recover from this. Um, I have a sister-in-law who's a travel agent. I have a brother-in-law who's a pilot. So, um, you know, they are very scared about the future of their industries. Um, and so I think I think everyone will be thinking, oh, let's get a holiday booked and things. But I think the airplanes and travel is going to take quite a long time to recover from this. So that's one instance. I don't think we'll be able to travel like we have. But I also think um, because of media platforms and um, how we can do everything, you know, sort of from video link, I think you will be able to do a live, you know, from, from one place and broadcast it all over the world. Well, people are just um, becoming um, more confident with it at the moment, aren't they? They're using it more on a daily basis and it's becoming their norm. And well, it's it's really efficient. Yeah, I mean, exactly. At the end of the day, like, you know, I think there will always be a place as a creative that you want to get your hands, you, you physically need someone around you. Yeah. You need to feel their energy mm. and you want to do that practical with them. But there is there is also a an argument that you know you you could have been educating 10 people actually you could be educating 100 200 what would be something in the last two or three years that a new way of working has become absolutely indispensable well for me it was very key that um for many years things would change to the desk in a salon so you had your appoint your appointment book um, you also then had, you know, your telephone or booking system, and then you had your payment card. And they were virtually, they were like they were chained to the desk. Now, for me, I have my own card reader, which goes straight yeah, to a business brilliant. PayPal um, yeah. account. I also, my clients book online. So they book either through my website or through Hunter Collective website or through the Trinder Hair website. And they then, um, I can also... Um, communicate to them and I have my I have my book on my my laptop or my lab you know my my phone so I can check I can look at my appointments and see where I've gone in the day so for me that has changed really changed the face of hairdressing and why we're seeing people now looking at freelancing because you can have those things yourself yeah, now. At the smartphone. Um, and and so so for me, one of one of my most important tools, going back to the answer to your question, I would say have to be my card machine that I've got now mm, yeah. that takes my payments. You set the boundaries and perimeters of how you want to work. And that's been so um refreshing actually to then be a part of for now because 
when I think about how this has impacted on the change, all it's done is just made me feel more comforted. And I'm like, well, actually, this is great. Like, this is just reminding me that this wasn't such a crazy idea. But it's, it's, I mean, to answer your question, um, Zoom has changed my life. But then also yeah. there's a bit of a flip side to that because I find it sometimes a bit overwhelming and a bit... I sometimes don't know how to switch off from it because I feel like it's always with me. Do you know what I mean? Do you mm. feel like that, Lacey, with the kids as well? I th- so I think, I think like, for me, like, um, what Caroline was saying about routine. Yeah. So I'm today I'm actually going to put it on my out-of-office that I'm available for work between one and five, yeah. Monday mm-hmm. to Friday. So I'm only giving myself four hours a day because actually... That's all I can physically manage yeah. when I've got very small children. And then children. are you quite strict with yourself and you will not lick a tip? Yeah, because it doesn't... It I, I tried. So when we, you know, Jean was uh, seven weeks old when we launched Hampton Collective. Wow. Um, and, you know, he came to work with me. Yeah. And that was great. You know, I had this, you know, baby business, whatever, clearly yeah. don't do it. Um, <laughs> and and I, um, it, was, it was really, 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 really hard. I found it, I mean, as everyone, I found it from when I, I left a salon environment and started working for myself, I found it quite hard. So I had to very quickly set myself boundaries. But what I what I do now is um, I don't do any work past six at six o'clock unless it was an absolute emergency um, or something incredibly urgent. Um, and I try very clear not to work at weekends so that I spend time with my, my husband. Um, and we're, we're also quite strict is when we're, you know, after dinner, I'm going to watch a movie or something, our phones are not in the room. Gosh, well done. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, yeah, thank you, girls. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, so really good to talk to you guys too. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you to Carolyn Newman and to Lacey Hunter-Felton and to my colleague, Lauren Stone. It was a great chat there. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast talking about new ways of learning. Please don't forget to rate and review us at iTunes. It really helps to put us up the charts. And scroll down if you want to find notes and references. We will make um, little little notes for you on anything that ladies mentioned there so that um, you can go in the right direction to look for all the good bits of advice. <laughs>